welcome to another episode of the Streaking Lawn Podcast. I'm Pierce, and as usual, I've got Caroline with me. Hello, Caroline. How are you? Hey. Hey. A little more subdued. Subdued. Hey. And we've got from streakinglawn.com, Matt Ellis is here with us this evening. Matt, hello. It's good to be back. I'm making my annual appearance. Yeah. We're excited you're alive. (laughs) This is like our check in, our proof of life. Mm hmm. He's contractually obligated to call in once a year to check in after a while. Once during football season, once during basketball season. Specifically pick a game that you can get nice and heated about. So Exactly. Here here we have it. The the Who's Lost on the Road uh, to Miami in a game where they had – like 45 chances to score touchdowns and and instead they did not score touchdowns and uh so they kept it pretty close uh throughout the game and just um couldn't take advantage of opportunities uh the really is just you know one of those classic missed opportunity type of results Um, i don't love when we play the end zone is lava right my favorite Um, right especially not for an entire game. <laughs> if you want to do a quarter, I still don't love it, but it's better than a whole game. Um, that one was tough. It was tough yeah. stuff. Uh, Nikosi Perry improved on his zero QBR uh, <laughs> last year against the Hoos and had a, a QBR of a 59.9. Uh, he threw for uh, one score and uh, ran for a score. And, you know, the UVA defense did, did pretty well, did, did about good. as good as you would want to ask of them on the road, um, but not well enough to win uh, when the offense wasn't doing much of anything. So I know there's plenty to discuss um, about that inability to, to put points on the board, but uh, Matt, I'll, I'll let you uh, kick things off with, with what went wrong. I mean, the offense is just atrocious. Um, <laughs> it, and it, it, it's not just this game, right? You look back to yeah. the second half at Notre Dame. So, it's now six straight quarters without a touchdown. Um, and you had a bye week to prep for it. I, you know, we, we talked after Notre Dame about how you just weren't blocking anyone. And that's continuing, right? Still can't run the ball for any level of consistency. And because I think Notre Dame made this adjustment at halftime, we haven't adjusted back to it, which is we run a lot of either runs up the middle or short little play action with seven and eight yard routes on it. Um, and so defenses now are just playing way up on those routes, um, knowing that we can't block the pass rushers long enough to get a long, a longer route down the field. So without anyone who's going downfield to threaten them, they're jumping the short routes. You're getting guys that are getting to Bryce um, because he doesn't have time. And we're either not calling the long routes or we don't have enough faith in the offensive line to actually protect enough. Um, and I, I don't really know what the answer to that is other than, you know, maybe you block some people or maybe you, you keep more people in the backfield to, to get those longer routes in there. Um, but, you know, we had an entire week to think about it and, and decided not to change anything. Yeah, I think it's it, – you're spot on with how disappointing it is, particularly having that bye week. Um, it's not like Miami threw out a lot that was unexpected. And, you know, that probably speaks to the defense's relative uh, success. But the something's gotta gotta get better uh, for the offense, and and I don't know 
where to put that blame, you know, uh, other than everywhere, right? <laughs> like the, there's right. got to be plenty on the coaching staff. Um, there's got to be plenty on the execution um, from, from multiple players. And, and certainly the OL is, is part of that. Um, certainly Perkins is part of that, as I'm sure he would say, you know, yeah. you're still the quarterback. Uh, if your team's up and on points, some of that's on you. Um, but they're definitely not making his life easier. And as you hear, you know, on, on this podcast, on other podcasts, on other articles, there seems to be some pretty clear-cut things to try uh, to have success with. I, I, you know, I'm repeating myself every week now, but spread it out a little more. <laughs> you know, stop, uh, stop having these sets that, that have multiple bags and multiple tight ends and thus multiple defenders in Bryce's face. Um, but I think you're right about trying to get it uh, a more vertical passing game has has to improve. I think that was something we saw successful against Notre Dame in that first half. Um, and I don't know why other than, you know, Notre Dame's obviously pretty stellar, why they haven't um, figured out uh, how to repeat some of that success in the six quarters after that halftime. I want to um, point out one thing. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't get on board to say the offense is atrocious. The red zone offense is atrocious. The offense moved the ball very well throughout the game, just mm-hmm. until they got to the point where it mattered. I think there's a, a distinction there, just because like it's not like every single thing went three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, which is a different mm-hmm. sort of frustration. It's really frustrating, but that makes sense considering what we're talking about when it comes to they're taking advantage of those short five to seven to 10 yard routes that the receivers are running again. Yes. Struggles with the running game. Although the, when they finally started getting it going, there was a really inopportune fumble um, that, Oh God, that's so, it just like adds to the list of things that were frustrating about this game. But once you get close to the end zone, obviously the space that you have to spread out the defense and make them cover you is a lot shorter. So when you're at like the one yard line and somehow can't manage to get that one yard, like those are the issues that are the most glaring. I don't think the offense as a whole has a problem. I think the offense in the red zone has a big problem. And I think those are two important distinctions to make because one is a complete ineptitude and one is just like an ineptitude when it and it speaks to what what Matt's saying is if the only thing the offense is really doing successfully is that short, you know, dink dunk pass it down the field game like that that's going to work. You can dink it and dunk it more successfully when you're not in the red zone, you know, because there's more Absolutely. space for the yeah, defense. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. That's about. exactly what I mean. And, and so it's it, it it ties right into the inability to to finish. Uh, should we start saying blue zone because Bronco does? Oh, I don't yeah. think I'm going to. If that is everyone I, on I board. Just, I mean, I think red zone is just what everyone calls. It. <laughs> I, I think the other part too that I'd like to see is is to try and take a couple more, like the touchdown at that Aziz Dubois at Notre Dame. Take mm-hmm. a shot in the end zone from 25 to 30 out, as opposed to. Right. Yeah, and, and there was a great thread I recommend. If you guys haven't followed the new Daily Progress beat writer, Bennett Conlon, yet, I recommend that you guys do that. Um, I know we've had our own past with the Daily Progress beat writers. <laughs> uh, Bennett is great. Uh, obviously a fitting uh, person to write about Virginia stuff with a name like Bennett, but he put together a really interesting thread today about lo- not just looking at whether or not the plays were successful, but what plays were dr- – drawn up in those third and whatever's in the red zone um Mm -hmm. and part of it like you said there's a lot to go around part were questionable play calls a couple of the times 
part of them were actually pretty great play calls that didn't work because a fumble or uh, Bryce didn't get enough time or Bryce didn't see a second read uh, mm-hmm. or didn't go through the options, that sort of thing. So I, I think that was something that all of those things are applicable. Just a fun random fact, this doesn't excuse anything. ACC teams this year are four and eight coming off of their buys. <laughs> Apparently everyone has decided to be complete yeah. shit when they come off of the bye week. Well, yeah, it, it's the <laughs> ACC. And yeah, so Virginia Tech did it. Miami the ACC, everyone Tech. is sort of bad, you know. Like, <laughs> and, then, uh, and, and the other part, too, is Virginia has now played arguably – well, I think the three best defenses they're going to face all season in Pitt, Notre Dame, and Miami. Uh, those are the teams that also get to the quarterbacks the most in the top 12. Pers- mm-hmm. I, I grabbed the tweet. but um, So they've played the hardest defenses. Hopefully they can fix some of this stuff because, uh, I mean, you can't – get yeah. inside the 36 times and score nine well points. they're gonna have to yeah. fix it even against mediocre or, or bad deal. i mean you look at the odu game where there was yeah. still some of the struggle like i know that you know the who's did pull away and, and fix the mistakes but n- nonetheless this isn't something uh, that's only been happening in these past two games yeah at least they've just be been like managing to win to the ball mm-hmm. <laughs> this least defense decided to like i thought the defense was outstanding and that last other than the first drive and one drive later, they had they gave up twenty yards across two quarters, um, and you have to score points for your defense when you do that. It's like a pitcher throwing a no hitter and getting no run support. It's bullshit. Well, uh, Matt, I gotta give it back to you because I'm sure you've got more to say. I'm, uh, I, I want to give you the floor for some venting. No, I, I I agree <laughs> with Caroline's distinction between the the offense and the red zone offense. Though the rushing aspect of the offense is broken everywhere on the field. Um, that's broken between the twenties too because we're just not opening yeah. up holes there. And it 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 was disappointing to see Holland's fumble because I'm a big Holland's guy. I think he should get more carries. Um, and then, you know, of course, that, that went terribly. Um, I think the most frustrating play of the game for me was when I think it was still 10 to 6, um, and we had third and, third and goal at the 1, and we called that Bryce rollout uh, on the pass play, which, whatever, you're, you're sort of cutting down the field, but it was to the wide side, I get it. And he just ran out of bounds at the 5, right? Like, you have to throw that ball away. Yeah, so that you can have yeah. fourth and goal at the one and go for it and, and back them up if you don't get it instead of having to kick from the five. Yeah, and I, that's... you know, I, I think Bryce is going to get, I think people are starting to get a little critical of him. Um, and we didn't want to against Notre Dame because he just got murdered and had no time to throw and not a lot of that was his fault. Um, but decisions like that, I, I, we all love how much of a playmaker he is. But there's got to be some sort of line when when you know what the the smarter decision is versus trying to force everything. Yeah, I mean that's just a mental error, like um, uh, you know the, the tight end not going out of bounds on that last drive. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was just, brutal. I mean, I'm just screaming. inexplicable. <laughs> Kali, like, I, 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 you know, you'd have to ask him what, what are you thinking. <laughs> I, I don't know, but uh, you know, at that point, it, it the team's already immensely frustrating for a thousand other reasons or one giant reason um, uh, in a thousand different ways but uh, I will say the the rushing uh, stats while they don't amount to much all three backs uh, who who had more than one rushing attempt had more than 3.3 average which isn't great I mean so Talapapa's at 3.4 average uh, PK had 4.7 on three attempts and Hollis had 3.5 just on those two attempts obvious and fumble 
but uh, the, the Perkins uh, mix really throws off all the stats because you know he's got some. Do you think carries. it's a problem? Do you think it's a problem that over half of our carries were with Bryce as opposed to with the other running backs, or do you think that's fine with the you know just the read option and his skill set? Yeah, I think he I, looked a lot better because he did play without the brace, and I did think yeah. that his explosiveness looked better. And I, I'd give him like 50-50 overall in the whole game on decision-making. The problem is when he made some of the bad decisions, like you mentioned, a tough one, um, they were in those high, like close – there was another one near the goal line where he took a sack um, and – or fumbled it and was able to climb back on top of it. But there were things yeah. where I thought that he made some nice plays where he would pretend to tuck and then, you know, throw the ball over to an open receiver and pick up 15, 17 yards. Like those are, he had some really nice plays, decision, like that sort of thing. But I'm a little concerned. I agree, but Paul, Paul and I talked about this, that establishing the run game just to establish a run game and like continue to do like that's also not good like you have to do some sort of mix of I don't know I I don't have any problem with with feed and brace as much as possible because it's the only way to hit this team's ceiling um now would it be nice to see more production from the running backs obviously and, and I think that would help Bryce not only throw the ball better but help Bryce run the ball better if they're focused on say they were last year Jordan Ellis's ability to get six yards running straight up the middle uh, which we haven't seen that kind of production from any of the running backs um they you know save maybe that uh uh first game but uh I don't know. This seems going to go as far as Bryce can carry him. And they had a little more probably sparkly success with that overall last season. And last season had its ups and downs running on that strategy, right? You know, there were games yeah, where absolutely. we were annoyed and frustrated. And then there are games that, you know, were completely jaw-dropping what Bryce could do. And we saw probably some of the jaw-dropping stuff against FSU, um, but maybe not that uh, more consistent wow production. And, and not just plays that make you go wow, but long runs uh, on you know by Bryce. And, and we, you know saving some of these sacks maybe last season turned into positive plays, you know, things he was escaping. I don't know. That's just sort of the overall – impression i've had from him so far and pierce if you had yeah. to if you had to rank the problems and your your three choices are the play calling the offensive line or yeah. just hey we played two really good defenses in the last six quarters and and <laughs> it'll be better against duke yeah where do you think like how, how do you do how do you split that well, up? this is a good point that the the one saving grace from this loss is that i was right in uh, calling the both this loss and the Notre Dame loss, not only <laughs> on each weekly podcast, but also be- before the season. So we're right where I thought they would be. Um, <laughs> you just didn't think it was going to be a 17 to nine. No, I said last week, I said last week, I'm calling a low scoring game and it's going to be dumb bullshit that is going to be really (laughs) annoying to watch. And some stupid, you know, stuff's going to happen and make you, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, we just got beat by a better team. 
and that's what I said, and that's what happened. So anyway. Don't um, say that stuff then. Say uh, good stuff. <laughs> well, I'm often wrong too. So, uh, you know, I don't think I have any control over this situation. Matt, I got to give it to the play calling though. Obviously the O-line isn't, uh, like we were saying last week, isn't at the level uh, that the coaches want it to be in depth and or production. And that's just going to happen, uh, particularly with the way um, the roster was left uh, by the previous coaching staff. But no matter the success that Anai has, uh, and he's had some great games, that he's called some good games in, in the past couple of years, um, he's called some bad games, I think. The fact that this team allegedly, according to its previous quarterback, though, who's a pretty good source, who openly said that there isn't a halfback screen in the playbook. Like, that, I mean, it's stunning, you know, stuff like, so, so whatever limitations there are to the, if it's not, if it's not play calling, it's just a general design of the system. It's, it's the lack of identity to what does this team want to be offensively, which a bunch, you know, our, our friend uh, Oaks at, at 247 has written about this. I'm sure Bennett uh, at the progress has, has noted this. There doesn't seem to be a clear, uh, indication of, of what is this team going to do offensively to, to, to be successful? Like, what are we striving to do? Um, and yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's got to be that because the O-line is something that you're working on and, and something that you try and address and the system ties into that. If, if, if your system and your play calling isn't addressing your weaknesses by doing the things that would help make up for those weaknesses – then what is coaching? <laughs> you know, like, I, so I hope that answers your question. I'd go, no, I agree. I'd go all on play calling teams because there's some stuff I, that I you can't get anything. You can't get anything done. If you're only giving the quarterback three seconds, like no matter what the calls are, if they don't have a, like that baseline amount of time to make a read or see Billy Kemp streaking across the middle, there's only so much stuff that you can, you have to give them, at least a little bit of time. And, and this is not to knock the kids on the O-line. I, like, I don't think someone, I saw someone say this, like, I don't think there's been a single like returning, like the entire, you know, having more than two players return on the O-line, like since they got here, like that's tough and it's the slowest developing. And I think you made a, or Paul made a really good point last week saying that Perkins accelerated expectations beyond the development and growth of the O-line, which I think is fair or Pierce, you said that, I think. Um, it was brilliant regardless. One of you brilliant people I work with. Um, I just think that was something that makes a really good point. So, And I think all of these things are close because they performed. I mean, he saw a lot of trouble against Pitt. It's just you got to get you got to get a little bit of time. You can try to make up for that deficiency, though, and I don't see them trying those things much or at all. I don't I honestly I I can't say enough to like the intricacies of that level when it comes to play calling I don't feel comfortable being like no they haven't tried this or they tried that I just know that like it's tough to ask anyone to do anything with three seconds before a very talented large defender from the likes of Miami or Notre Dame are like breathing into your face mask what do you think I that? think you let Banker call the plays for a week I mean his, <laughs> his Twitter suggestions seem great <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree to Caroline. It would be 
it'd be great if, you know, R.J. Proctor was on this line as opposed to serving as a swing tackle at Oklahoma and not playing. Yeah, that too. Yeah. It would be nice. How much, know. Matt, per your question, you know, that third point, um, how much of this is just facing three, of, if not the top three, three of the top four or five defenses we're going to face all season? Um, where would you have put that option in your rankings? I would have put that third. Um, yeah. I, I think it's I, – I agree with you. I think it's the play calling first and then the offensive line, and, and, and those definitely go hand in hand. Um, right. I You know, the, the ODU game was weird. I'm not that worried about it. It was like a it, – it just screamed a letdown game between a big win against FSU at home and then going to South Bend. Yeah. So I, I've sort of written that off from evaluating the offense perspective. Um, Duke, I think, is good. Um, I think they're a good team that we're playing next week, but I don't think their defense is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, this is one of those games where we're going to have to be able to put 30 something points on the board to be able to win this game, I think, because I think Duke is going to put high twenties up mm-hmm. there. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we'll see this week because it, if, if you can't do it against, against Duke at home, it's, I, I don't know when it comes together. Yeah. Well, before it's, we curious. get to previewing yeah, we'll get um, Duke, let, let's we gotta hand out our stars um, uh, for the the frustrating games, even even if they are frustrating, um, and we need to talk about Bryce Hall for yeah. sure too. Um, so stars, uh, Caroline, you go first. Yeah, I'm gonna give mine to Bryce Hall. Um, <laughs> I guess we can wrap it into all of yeah, this, yeah, but um, it was one of those moments in like. <sighs> It's try. I'm gonna. This is gonna sound so pathetic if I say like I try not to get emotional. I feel so badly for this kid right now, right? Yeah, it's and gut wrenching. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, and from this, from the second it happened, the way that he has handled himself has been so unbelievably impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, that from, uh, first of all, if you haven't seen pictures, don't look at them. Um. There's no bone, which is fine. That's good. You know, it's one of those things, like, as soon as you see a trainer run out and put a towel over something, uh, you know, it's not good. So, uh, I mean, even Billy Kemp, 19-yard return, he basically puts the ball down as soon as he was tackled and sprints back where where he fielded the ball and, like, immediately knew. So, I mean, he's running down the field knowing that his teammates, like, badly injured, right? um Bryce kept his cool part of that's probably shock (laughs) um you know he sat up and he waited for the trainers to come out he told his team like that he's fine he you know dapped everybody up shout out to the Miami players that came over to wish him well as he went back into the tunnel to get worked on um but the fact that he told he sat behind coach Mendenhall this is what Mendenhall said during the weekly press conference that he sat behind him on the bus um and Bryce told him, they had t- talked about this previously, but he said, coach, I'm a human buoy, meaning he's there to lift people up. Um, and this is a moment where at, he could have been as selfish and angry as he wanted to. And I don't think a single person would have blamed him. Um, they would have understood. They would have been like, yeah, that sucks. Um, as a kid who came back to help his team win games. Um, and I just think he has had the right attitude. And I think, honestly, this is going to sound cheesy. I think we could all learn a little bit about, learn from Bryce Hall, um, the way that he handled himself. And so I just, I wish him nothing but the best. It sucks that we won't see him play in a Virginia uniform anymore. Um, But he gets my star because he's effing awesome. And I think he's Absolutely. All right, uh, Matt. Well, Caroline took mine. Um, (laughs) 
sort of the softball. I'll give mine. To, I know, right? I'll give mine to Noah Taylor on the defense. Ah, I thought he had a great game. <laughs> he was really good. <laughs> he was so good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think he's the, the forgotten guy in that sort of like linebacker pass rusher core with Snowden and Mack and Zandier in there. And he was just excellent. Like he was in that backfield all game. Um, I thought he did a great job of, of making Perry uncomfortable and, and really helping us stay in the game there for a long time as so much of the defense did. Uh, so it was great to see him break out. I, I, I got to go with him. All right, then I'm going to go with Devontae Cross, uh, mainly because he played well. He had, he had five tackles, uh, one for a loss, but also he's going to need to start playing really well um, or continue to play really well because uh, they are now uh, without both their starting corners um, you know, coming out of training camp. Uh, so we don't want what was supposed to be a huge success or, or a huge strength for the team, the secondary. Uh, it, there's no real room for error to make it a weakness. So it's just the next guy's got to come up and, and produce and I uh, hope Cross can do it. And it looks like he, he can. So they're going to get my start because right he did well. Too with, I mean, Quentin Harris, he's, he's, a, he's a smart, strong quarterback. And it's going to be a question of whether you get first half against Pitt Quentin Harris where he threw a bunch of picks and fumbled it or if you're going to get second half where he was pretty uh pretty spot on so very true um and yeah that'll, that brings us to Duke uh, this is a game uh that looks like uh the Who's have what, three and a half points uh, as the money line uh the stats favor Virginia unlike they did going into that Miami game so that's a little comforting I guess uh but the points per game that Duke's been up is is pretty astounding I mean that's 34.5 points per game, including the fact that they played Alabama and only scored three points. So, you know, uh, they've, they've hit 40 uh, in four of their five after their Alabama game. Now, some of those against uh, you know, the Middle Tennessee State's NCAA and T, but that includes uh, 40 in Blacksburg, 45 in Blacksburg, and 41. Uh, hosting Georgia Tech. So they can score. They scored 30 in the loss to Pitt. Um, I don't know what to think of their defense because um, it's sort of a hard stretch of teams to get really get a read on other than giving 33 up to, to Pitt at home. That game was nuts. I don't know what to make of that either. I was part of my parlay, Matt, that week. Won that, calling that Pitt win in Durham. <laughs> Matt and I like to talk about how bad we are at gambling. <laughs> how the, how the rest of that parlay work out for you? That parlay was successful. It's been all the ones since then. <laughs> I don't know what parlays are. All right, parlay means you bet on you. You say I'm going to pick these two, three, four, whatever multiple of games, and I have to get them all right in order to win the money. That so you win terrible. more money. But it is a, a difficult thing, as as Matt and I know very well. So, <laughs> this has been yep. teaching Caroline gambling. Yep, absolutely. So um, <laughs> the, the, the Blue Devils uh, are atop the coastal with Virginia right now at two one uh, in in conference games. So this is huge, um, Matt. What have you seen um, from Duke that, that makes you think one way or other about how this game's going to go? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's it's the offense, right? That offense seems really good. Um, I, I watch, I've watched it in entirety their games against Bama and against Tech, which are very different games. 
Virginia Tech. I don't watch anyone play Georgia Tech. You can't get anything from that. That team is terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I didn't even try. <laughs> no, the offense is really good. It sort of looks like what you you think that we're going for with our offense. Mm-hmm. Um, a quarterback who can run a strong running game, a good balance between run and pass. They don't air it out all the time. They don't run it all the time. They, they're really, really balanced. And it makes it unpredictable for a team that doesn't have great talent across the field. So it is, I think, really similar to what we've attempted to model our offense to be. It's just more successful right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's going to be an issue. I, I think, you know, if we can control time of possession, like we've had some success doing against Florida State, and I, I think we had success against Miami and Notre Dame there mm-hmm. as well, their defense hasn't seemed great to me when they're not playing with a really big lead. Um, so maybe you can wear that down a little bit, but it's a game where we're going to have to put up points, even with how good our defense has been. I don't see Duke scoring less than 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if anyone trusts our offense right now to put up 24 against anybody. All right, Carolina, what are you thinking? Yeah. The one of the guys that was kind of big for them last year, Britton Brown running back is out now. Um, but they do have, you know, their guy Deion Jackson, him and Quentin Harris have each five rushing touchdowns. So that's, I think, going to be something huge. Um, what, this game is going to be interesting to me because anytime this is one of the their strength versus Virginia's strength, um, obviously their offense versus Virginia's defense, mm-hmm. they don't get – he's only been – Quentin Harris has only been sacked six times mm-hmm. all season. Um, that's not a lot. <laughs> like that's that's uh, less than, you know, Bryce Perkins got taken down in one game, you know. So um, will the defensive line be able to get to him, disrupt him, make things miserable for him um, in order to try and create – you know, we talked a lot about creating turnovers last week. That obviously did not happen. Um, can Virginia do that? Can they – like, I'm with Matt. Can they control the tempo? Um but this all will come down to can they put touchdowns on the board for Virginia? I just don't know if I just don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't sound so like fully negative about it. Uh. <laughs> well, I think you know to have another injury in the secondary against a team that likes to chuck the ball around, uh, and to have seen UVA's failure to capitalize against uh, the, the, the past couple defenses. There's reason for pessimism. Um, Some reasons for optimism are the fact that Duke does give up uh, almost as many yards per game as they uh, produce, uh, particularly through the air. They're giving up more yards per game um, that they're throwing for. And Virginia's quite the opposite. Um, Their offense is is statistically better than the ones um, that they face so far. So UVA is a better team. Perkins is a better quarterback. Uh, oh, you know, back at home, hopefully it works out. I, I'm, I'll be curious to see, just like we've been talking about from the beginning, what is there in ad- ad- adaptation? What, what, you know, what are we seeing change-wise or adjusting to yeah. things that have gone wrong? And we could have pointed out plenty of things before the Miami game that we didn't see very much addressed uh, after a bye week, no less, too. So. Um, I don't know what we'll see in terms of changes, but you know, you've got to, I'm sure the coaches know just as well as we do what, what's gone wrong and, and, yeah. and hopefully they're, they're working on ways to get past that. 
the other um yeah i just like i want to say again just because i i feel like i've lost this a little bit in some of the concern over the offense this is a legitimately good defense and obviously this this changes you know anytime you lose an all-american you lose a leader like bryce hall i mean (laughs) i would be shocked if he's not on the sidelines in some fashion on saturday Mm -hmm. helping coach or calling him plays or something but um this is a top 15 defense right now, you know, and, and you look at things. And, and so that should keep them in games. Like, like they had no business being in that game against Miami as long as they were, but they were because of that defense. So um, if you continue to get strong play on the defense, make some changes on the offense, figure it out. These, uh-huh. I, I have full faith in the coaches have, these guys are smart. They know they, they had success at BYU. They've done these things. They didn't have red zone issues, you know, as badly as what we have right now going on. So I, I just think they'll find a way. I just had, this is a good, t- they should win this game against you. Are you, you're, you're ready to throw out the prediction? Let's, let's hear oh, uh, Well, I've been good all season so far sticking with my prediction. So yeah, I'm going to say this is a bounce back win. Um, and I'm going to go something like 28, uh, 21. Who's? Yeah. All right, Matt. 27-20 Duke. Oh no. The pessimist. I, I know it'll shock Caroline that I'm that I'm pessimistic about it. <laughs> right, but um, why? What what is it that that's it, it's purely just I, I just don't see I, I don't think we'll put up the points. Um I do think Duke's off. I, I agree with Caroline that our, our defense is incredible. Um but I you know I, I think you aren't gonna be able to play this game in the teens. Um and I, I, I'm curious, actually, sort of tangential to the field, as to what type of home field advantage we have for this game, right? Um, obviously, had great crowds for, for the Florida State game, um, and then a solid crowd for, for Old Dominion. But now that you go two games on the road, two sort of disappointing performances, um, and you get a little bit of an afternoon game in there as opposed to a night game, what, what really shows up? Um, so I, I think that will actually play a, a bit of a factor into it. But I, I've got to. I, I have some faith in the students showing I think up. people show up. I think a lot a of people will be <laughs> I think people will be happy that there I've had a lot of friends, um, especially friends with kids, who have said like they're stoked for an afternoon game because every single game has been a night game. Um that having one where they don't have to worry about like getting the kids to bed. Yeah. Which is the thing I'm told is important. Um well, no offense to friends with kids, but it's it's the students that really matter (laughs) for for field advantage to me i mean everybody's there making noise and cheering but um no it's the it's the five to seven year olds right (laughs) Right. (laughs) those Um, are the big noise makers of the crowd (laughs) i'm gonna get some tweets uh i make more noise than any of the damn undergrads anyway um i i haven't picked yet so i'm gonna i you know what i i I think we do a cool collection of turnovers I think we're wait the good go, way or the bad yeah, way. The good way. I think um, <laughs> I think Duke has shown against a good defense that they can be rattled uh, like they were uh, by Pitt, and so I'm gonna hope that that's the case for us. And I think the Who's are gonna bounce back. I'm gonna be optimistic. Hey. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win by uh, two scores. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe, I hope. maybe, yeah, yeah, something like thirty-four twenty or something. We, you know, yeah, thirty-four. 
Yeah. I just hope that they do to and Duke what the Nationals are doing in St. Louis Cardinals right now. <laughs> Those I seven... do, not, do not say a word. This game is not <laughs> over. Um, it has been a good inning and a half. There is a lot of baseball left. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> I yep. just can't wait till y'all play the Yankees in the World Series. Hey, the Yankees are and down 2-1 now. And then you'll know. All you little Nationals fans will know. <laughs> What is true evil in the world? <laughs> the Orioles give up a home run every four pitches. Well, you know, if you don't have pitchers, then you're going to give up a lot of home runs. It's, Things get a lot it's harder. It's basic arithmetic, man. Um, all right. Well, uh, stay tuned, uh, folks, for, for some more pre-Duke coverage and, and certainly post-Duke and hopefully some more happy uh, feelings that we're used to. Remember, going into this, season had had we said we're we were where we where the record is right now in the standings for the coastal uh we would be delighted uh by we those results take it and, in a second. and i'll remind you uh it's exactly what i said would happen caroline four and two uh for the who's right now so we'll, we'll see if i continue to be correct in a rare streak of, of predictions that have gone uh uh, accurately so anyway uh for everybody else at the blog stay tuned to streaking and we'll catch you next week Go home.